Welcome to the Gamesmith's Table Talk. This is a roundtable format discussion where I and my guests try to cover three tabletop roleplaying related topics in 15 minutes. If you know anything about tabletop roleplayers, then you'll know that this is an ambitious goal. Let's head to the table. Welcome back to our Table Talk podcast. I'm your host, Clayton the Gamesmith, and joining me are... I'm Franklin. I'm Cheryl. I'm Clark. Let's head to the table. The views and opinions of the panel are their own and do not reflect the views and opinions of any other individual company or organization. This podcast has been known to be opinionated. You have been warned. We're going to be discussing digital versus hard copy books. I very much like hardcovers. I cannot game, I cannot sit at a table without a hardcover nearby. The room in which we are actually recording this, all just about all sides of the table are covered in game books. Everything is within a quick arm's reach or a three-foot slide of the roll of the chair. Being able to look up something very quickly on the phone or on a tablet is very helpful. When you don't know what it is that you're trying to find. Or when it's like, I don't know what book that's in. But when you use the resource on a regular basis, you know where to find it. And it's just a matter of flipping to the page. And there has been numerous occasions around this table where... Things have been looked up in the book faster than they've been typed in and searched for on a device. True. Especially tablets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because they're using the PDF search engine. It's less than ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Surprising our listeners, I'm sure I'm going to take the middle road on this because I've been so (coughs) so polarized in my opinions thus far on this show. (laughs) But yeah, there there definitely are pros and cons to each. Um, I agree with most of the points around the table. Clayton's absolutely right that we have, once you find your way around the book, we, people can pretty consistently find a rule or a spell or feat faster in the book than than on the devices. As we've talked about, things like Archives of Nethys are a fantastic resource, but they're also predicated on having data or Wi-Fi and are also limited by the speed of that connection, which can slow you down. It is worth mentioning one major pro of PDF versions of books that we haven't really talked about yet is that they're also usually a lot cheaper than the physical copies. And portable. We've talked we've talked about the portability, but the, the financial advantages to them are worth considering because let's say, for example, you're a new player. All of us sitting around the table have a fair amount of experience and have all sunk a fair amount of money into the game to have these collections of books. But if you were a new player just starting out, especially if you didn't know if this was going to be your thing, buying a PDF version of a book rather than a hardcover is a much easier pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Much smaller investment, too. Yes and no. Paizo, I can't speak to how D&D does this, or Wizards of the Coast, but Paizo, if you are a member of the Paizo team and you buy a book online, the PDF is free. Yes, if you buy the hard copy, the PDF is free. If you buy the hard copy, the PDF is free. So, yes, yes it's more expensive to buy the hard copy, but then you have both. But you could also just buy the PDF copy for usually about a third the price of the hardcover. Yes. Because you're not paying for shipping and handling, you're not paying for the printing of the physical book. Um, Jumping outside of Pathfinder, it's much easier to bring a product to publish as a PDF version because you can just put it up on any file sharing oh, it's site inf- infinitely and download that easier. way, which has led to a kind of a renaissance in small indie games as well because a team of three or four people can sit down, write a game system, and put up a PDF version. 
Whereas it would be impossible for that same team to get their game to a, to the publisher, a full, to, you know, to a publisher, to a printer, mm-hmm. to print five hundred copies, five hundred thousand copies of a hardcover rule book to sell to people. But they can put it up on a file sharing site and distribute their game as a PDF much more easily. Mm-hmm. And you see a big uh, thing with Kickstarter and different uh, print-on-demand. Yeah. That, yeah. that being said, as we have kind of talked about, the the PDF versions are a technolo- you know, it's a technological system, and as such is based on your technology actually working. We've talked about the issues with the PDF search function, lacking processing power if you're holding your things on a uh, cell phone or a laptop. Well, a laptop's usually pretty good, but a cell phone or a tablet. Wi-Fi connection, not having cell service... Forgetting your charger. Forgetting your charger, yeah. None of these things are a problem with the physical copy. And as Clayton said, there absolutely is a certain a certain charm, a certain weight of tradition behind having the physical books that does add something to the experience. Yeah. I when I look at my first edition player's handbook for D and D, I can tell you what happened with every single stain, with every single mark, with every single tear on that book, because it was sitting at the table and something happened at the table that caused that event to happen. So there is a very strong nostalgic connection to me and my game books. Also, being a stationary addict, there is nothing better than the fresh, the smell of a freshly printed game book. Really, there's no good or bad about using either. Or um, both. Or both, absolutely. As, as, absolutely is a mixture of both. As a GM, it is absolutely critical to use both. Because if somebody has a question about, I don't think that you're using that rule right, Boom, you can look it up real quick in either venue. Or if someone has an obscure spell that you were like, I don't remember that being a spell. And then, boom, you can look it up real quick. Because you know the name of it, so you don't have to know the book that it's in. You can just type it into a search, and there it is. This goes double for Paizo, especially Pathfinder 1st Edition, with their wealth of 32 and 64 page source books on for everything characters <laughs> from this one particular country. Or right. One other thing that I want to say that I think I pretty much gone through with my thoughts on this matter is it's a lot easier to have something printed out from the PDF or electronic version than the hard copy. If you need to a map from page 15 mm, mm-hmm. of an adventure, it's easier just to yes. yeah, take your stick in and say, hey, I need page 15. I I have seen some physical versions of modules that do provide tear-out maps, which is excellent, and I wish more developers did that, but it's definitely few and far between. Also, if there are any module writers out there, if you're including tear-out maps, please include the player maps, not the GM ones. <laughs> Does anyone have anything else they would like to add? I think I'm nope, good. Nope, I'm good. All right, so we have exhausted this topic, and we're going to move on. Welcome back, and we're going to dive into another topic. This time, we're going to be talking about game creep. And this is not gamers who look at you weird. We're actually talking about game creep that you have information that is transmitted from one part of your life experience to another because you're playing different editions of the same game. Or you're playing very similar games like Pathfinder to D&D or first edition to second edition to third edition to 3.5 edition to Pathfinder. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Dealing with game creep at your game table. Well, I think the first thing to, is to be able to recognize when game creep happens. We had one session where uh, both Clayton and I were arguing one rule, and Franklin's looking at us like we're crazy because he's started with Pathfinder 1st Edition. So he didn't have as much game creep as us since we started with... Redbox. 
But I mean, he had to pull out the rule book to show us the rule, and we're both like, "Oh, well, we thought it worked this way." Yeah. So much to our chagrin and embarrassment. Yeah. Um, another one that we had was uh, Color Spray. We played two and a half years of Pathfinder with neither one of us using the spell Color Spray because from Our... D&D 2nd and 3rd edition, it sucked. <laughs> you use it at first level. Maybe you might get into second level if you're lucky, but after that, it's a useless spell. I looked at it once because we had a scroll of it, and I'm like, holy, I'm using this forever. <laughs> Because it's an awesome spell in Pathfinder. I, I can confirm. I've I've had tables where we've literally almost had a party wipe because we got hit by a color spray spell. Yes. So recognizing when it happens, and it will happen if you've played more than one version of anything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's definitely more common with older gamers because they're drawing on a whole library of experience with, with former games and former game systems. Can I qualify that to say experienced gamers? Because you can be older and playing for the first uh, time. True that, yeah, yeah. Speaking for myself, having played a lot of Advanced Dungeons Dragons, then a lot of 3rd Edition, and then nothing till Pathfinder, the longer time periods in between, when you restart a game, you're you're thinking about the, you know, the original rules that you remember, and you're pr- trying to put that into a framework. I think mentioning 3rd Edition specifically, and Pathfinder 1st Edition, I think that's definitely a point where game creep becomes the most dangerous, because you have systems that are very, very similar, uh, most most of you are aware that Pathfinder 1st Edition was written to be directly compatible with 3.5 D&D, and so the, there are very, very minimal differences in the rule systems. That being said, there are a few edge cases where things work slightly differently, and if you ran 3.5 for a long time and jumped to Pathfinder, probably just kept running with the old 3.5 rules. Well, and I'd also like to clarify that a little bit, because Pathfinder became advertised and thought of as D&D 3.75, because when the Pathfinder rules came out, they were using the 3.5 rules. But then when the hardcover came out after the playtest, they modified those rules slightly, and there were some significant changes. So while I would say 90% of the game was still 3.5, the differences were enough to say that this is still uniquely Pathfinder. Yes, but then the mindset becomes that you're using the rules from 3.5. And there's game creep is going to come in from a lot of those rules. And there would be subtle changes to the 3.75, i.e. Pathfinder rules. If you know, my point was, yes, simply that if you know that 90% of the rules are going to be the same, you're going to generally assume that the Pathfinder rule is the same as the 3.5 rule. Yeah, and you don't read up on it. Whereas if you jump to a completely different system, then... I would argue the game creep isn't as common. One thing I have noticed as a GM running different systems is that I tend to, because I've spent most of my time as a GM GMing Pathfinder 1st Edition, I tend to fall back on the way I would run this in Pathfinder 1st Edition. That usually creates issues. Uh, The usual example of this being the traditional make a perception check. As a general gauge of, you know, how aware are your characters of what's actually happening in, right. the, in the environment around them. Then you realize that the game you're playing doesn't have a stat for perception because it's not a D&D based D20 system. Right. And it tends, it's, those sorts of issues tend, do tend to create some awkwardness. Ultimately, I think it boils down to, you know, take a moment and think about how much does the exact interpretation of the rule in this moment really matter? Is this a one-off thing that you're going to be able to just brush past and either completely ignore or just, you know, we'll run with the old rule this once and between sessions I'll look up what the next one is. Is it absolutely, you know, is this a life and death moment for a PC? Then yeah, absolutely go to the rule, make sure that is exactly how this works. Because if you, you know, your player realizes in between sessions that you killed off their character because you were running on an older rule or an incorrect rule, that's going to be a thing. Yeah. 
So how much of an issue game creep is, I think, really depends on the circumstance and how important the exact interpretation of the rules in that moment is. We've also run into this scenario where we've had a home rule that was used has been used for so long, it's considered to be a canon rule. And then someone comes along and is like, that's not a rule. And you're like, it's totally a rule. It's in the game. It's like, no, it's not. That's a kind of game creep, too. And this it is. jumping on mm-hmm. even one step further than that, because largely been my experience since joining this table. A lot of those times, those those home rules, uh, the it started as game creep and then has just been adopted as a home rule since. Yes. Where these two will have a, a rule that they've played with for decades. I showed up at the group. They started explaining the rule. I mean, that's not the rule. And I'll flip in the book and say right here, page 325, it clearly is- says that's not the rule. We yeah. talk about it and we decide, well, we're going to use the old rule anyway. But then there's also but, been the same number of cases where it's like, oh, we didn't know that. We'll yeah. use the real rule. <laughs> um, I think probably the rest of this conversation is going to need to be happening in a later episode about home rules, because I think there's a lot Absolutely. to talk about. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. I also want to make mention of uh, this doesn't just apply to games that have multiple versions. It could also be games that have multiple editions or multiple print runs. We've had issues at the game table where Cheryl and I are using a first print of the Pathfinder rules and we're like, this is the rule. And we look it up and this is the rule. Franklin's using a sixth printing of the rules. Which has the errata in it. Which has the errata in it. And when we look it up, Mm -hmm. we're right, but so is he. (laughs) But because his is newer... That's the official rule. And it's not always, you know, changing typos and rewording sentences. There have actually been a few straight-up balance changes. Yes. Hugely. Um, The length of time that a wizard needs to wait after failing a spellcraft roll to scribe a spell was changed. It was a dramatic change. It was a dramatic reduction. I don't know exactly which printing it was, but... Yeah, it was a very, very big change. Uh, Another type of game creep? is Tolkien and 1st Edition D&D set up the bar of what an elf is, what a dwarf is, what a halfling is. And that game creep can carry on into other games. Like, I've had players who, playing something like Shadowrun, which does have elves in it, totally different type of elf. Yes, but it's not... From D&D. Right. But players will still approach it as it's this type of elf. Right. And you can't tell them any different. That's a type of game creep as well. Yes. When I look at one of my favorite games beyond Pathfinder is Star Wars 2nd Edition. And Star Wars 2nd Edition made some dramatic changes from 1st Edition. And then 3rd Edition, which is really a 2.5, it's a clarification of 2. There are subtle changes to it. And if you aren't really paying attention, you're not going to notice it. So there are things where it's just easier to go with the old rule. Rather than trying to pour through the manuals like Franklin was saying, and waste time at the table in order to do something for a change that mm-hmm. isn't going to amount, an amount to a very substantive impact on the table. Exactly. Now, I mean, if you're playing with the same group of players and for a long time, um, this really isn't going to be too much of a problem at your table because you're all going to pretty much game creep the same way. It's when you get different mixtures, like Franklin said. Uh, Clayton and I have been playing for 25 years plus. Uh, just together. We do have a certain set way of doing things, and we're on the same page on a lot of stuff. And then Franklin comes in, and he's actually read the Pathfinder First Edition front to back. Cover to cover, yeah. Where we've skimmed it. Yeah. I've read this 16 times from all the different versions. I don't need to read this word for word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Turns out I do. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So for players and GMs who have been playing for quite a long time, when you dive into a new system... Be aware that you're going to hit some game creep, and you're probably not going to want to read 
front to back, but be aware that the players at your table that do are going to... They may call you out on it. And just have that discussion. You know, decide which one you're going to use. I think definitely learning to properly adjudicate rules disputes is a really important part of being a GM. Absolutely. Um, Knowing when to put your foot down and use your authority as the GM, knowing when to give the player some concession, knowing how to properly handle those sorts of disputes. This is all the sorts of things that you learn through... The sorts of things that you learn through experience. You have to accept that there are times when, as the GM, the players will be wrong, and you have to explain to them how exactly the rules work. There are times when you, as the GM, will be wrong, and you have to just Mm -hmm. swallow your pride and concede to the players that, yeah, no, that's not what the rule says, and Mm -hmm. we'll adjust accordingly. But I think in either case... um... Don't let it get in the way of having fun at the table. Oh, absolutely not. If it's not. a matter of a player having some game creep where he's bringing, you know, an idea from a previous version or previous game into your current game, um, and it's not changing the mechanics, it's just like a reflavoring or a reskinning of something as they remember it. If Using, not, you know, the wrong god name. There's yeah. a phrase I've seen, it's popped up quite often on <laughs> in, in role-playing blogs and discussion stuff too, of the rule of cool, where... There's definitely times as a GM where a player has had an idea or suggested something. I always straight up acknowledge you're really stretching how that rule is meant to be used, but it's a really cool idea. So I'm gonna run, we're gonna run with it. Right. You know? One other thing I do want to mention, just sort of as the the young, you know, I guess the younger brother of game creep would be setting creep. If you're jumping to a new setting, it's worth taking a look and make sure that your assumed norms from other settings are the same as. They are, it, it, are it, the set. The new setting is written in a similar way to the old setting because sometimes writers mm-hmm. do take a chance and change up really established norms. Uh, I've talked a little bit in the past about uh, the fact that I'm a huge fan of the Eberron setting, and one thing that really jumps out about Eberron is that especially the Drow and the Halflings of Eberron are not the same as the Drow or Halflings in, say, Forgotten Realms or Galarian. Pathfinder elves are not the same This is true. Pathfinder elves, elves are not Well, no. we can throw caution to the wind entirely mm-hmm. and say, look at any player character race from the Dark Sun setting. Dark Sun none none of those races are the same as any other race anywhere else. Right, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, be careful if you're jumping into a new setting. Do a, you know If you're going to play mm-hmm. a particular race, do a bit of reading and find out what the... How, how does the culture actually work with these races? Sometimes the writer will have done something different with them, and that is a huge part of the fun of exploring a new setting, is looking at an old race through new eyes. Absolutely. Now, mm-hmm. we seem to have gotten a little bit off talk of on Game Creep overall. I don't have anything more to say on it. The only thing that I have to say, just a reminder to players and GMs alike, to give yourself a break and allow the fact that this is going to occur, and if it does, don't turn it into a thing. Uh, and as long as that happens, everybody will continue to have a good time and further this hobby. And that's really what all we want to do. All right. Well, we're done with that topic. It was a little longer than we expected. So uh, we'll see y'all at the table. 